Well, isn't God good? The Holy Ghost, His Spirit, Him, His anointing. The anointing of the Lord is really on me this morning. And uh, the thing is, when you obey God and you're willing, you will eat the good of the land. So, uh, once I submitted to the Lord's will to um, enter the ministry to which he called me to, uh, to pastor in this phase of my ministry. Um, you know, it was a couple of years actually before we moved out here. And uh, I don't know that I'll say exactly right now, but the uh, ever since that time, I've had a tangible anointing, touchable, uh, perceivable, and uh, Like through the good times or the bad times. It reminds me when Jesus said, like, the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He's not coming just for a time, but He's coming to abide, you know, to stay. And so, um, you know, that same tangible anointing is here. I've sense it most of the time. Anyhow, sometimes stronger than others. Um, I'm a little bit lost in the spirit here, so I'm going to read to you Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That same Holy Ghost that came on Christ, if you yield to him, will come on you. That same Holy Ghost that enabled Christ, if you yield to him, will enable you. Enable you in your family to be the person that he is ordained for you to be. Whether you're a son or a daughter, a mother or a father, a sister or a brother, the same Holy Ghost that enabled Christ is the same Holy Ghost that wants to enable us. The same Holy Ghost that led Christ into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil is the same Holy Ghost that wants to lead you in all things and at all times. And he's the same Holy Ghost that gave Christ the words to speak, even in his time of temptation, wants to give you the words to speak in your time of temptation. The same Holy Ghost that raised him from the dead is the same Holy Ghost 
that wants to raise situations in your life from the dead. He wants life in your womb. He wants life in your finances. He wants life in your marriage, but not just any kind of life. He wants the God kind of life that could only issue forth from him and from his presence. He wants that kind of life to come in contact with the core of your being. And when that kind of life comes in contact with the core of your being, it's not possible that that kind of life would not produce after its own kind. The kind of life that is not uh, grabbed hold of or understood by your mind, but rejoiced in your spirit. That you know, like Brother Hagin would say, my spirit's doing flips. My spirit's turning flips on the inside. You know, something's happening on the inside. It goes beyond our mind. It goes beyond what we could think up and what we could calculate and what we could figure out. It goes beyond all of that. But if we don't stay with him and walk with him and, and commune with him through his word and through getting into his presence and how we get into his presence by his word and by his blood. And if we don't do that, then we'll be like uh, discouraged and frustrated and we won't live up to God's best in our life because his plan for your life, every part of your life is his life his life in demonstration, his life in manifestation, his life uh, allowed to flow and allowed to touch the very recesses of that situation and of your life. And so, you know, Today, this day, is that scripture fulfilled in your ears? Today, that scripture, today, those words from God, today, the truth of the word is fulfilled in your life and in your body and in your mind and in your affairs. Today, 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 don't harden your heart and don't look away. But listen with the ears of your spirit, not the ears of your flesh, but listen with your heart. Listen to what the Holy Ghost would say and what the Spirit of God would say, and he'll speak to you, and he'll speak through you, and it'll become clearer and clearer and brighter and brighter, and the fuzziness will dissipate and dissipate and dissipate and disappear. And as you walk out on faith in me, don't look back and don't talk back, but look ahead and look to the word and allow my words, that's what the Holy Ghost is saying, to dominate you and allow my words to come alive to you and allow my words to penetrate your innermost being, and allow my words to become precious in your eyes, and allow my words to be precious in your sight. And as you look and see the tender, precious words that come from him, 
you'll begin to see your situation change. Change. Great changes coming to pass. Great changes changing the situation more than you could do. You can't do that. You can't fix that. You can't figure that out. <laughs> but he has. He knew before it ever happened. He knew before it ever occurred. He knew before, before the devil even thought of how to try to capture you with that. He knew, and he made a way of deliverance. He made a way of escape. And that way is his son, Jesus Lord, Jesus Christ our Lord. He made a way. And so you have to look to him. You can't, you can't do this. You can't do this yourself. You must do it in his strength and in his power and by his word and through the invigorating spirit that he has given unto you, his very own spirit. In the beginning, John chapter 1, verse 1, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were created by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So if something is going to be made or created in your life that you're longing for and hoping for and crying out to God for, how will it be made? It will be made by the Word. It will be made by him. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Praise the Lord. It's like you can't even turn a page in your Bible. Let's see here. Hebrews 11. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the word was God. And then back to Hebrews. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. This is talking of Christ, the anointed one, and of his anointing. And the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Being made so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they.
he has in these days spoken unto us by his son. So if you're looking for the Lord's answer on the situation, uh, what does the son say? If you're looking for the Lord's answer to what's going on, what does the son say? What does the son say? If you wonder how the Lord thinks about you when you come up before him, what does the son say and what does the son do? It is a lie from the pit of hell that God puts sickness on people to teach them something. You understand that whenever Jesus came, he is the expressed image of the Father. And it does not say that he went about laying hands and putting sickness on people, for God was with him. The Spirit of the Lord anointed him to deliver us from the power of sickness and the power of disease, and greater yet, the power of the devil himself, so that we're not under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness, and we're not under the dominion of the devil himself, and we're not under the dominion of his will and his thoughts and the people that are un consciously yielding to him to give him place, we are not under that dominion. Satan has no dominion over you. Satan has no dominion over your body if you don't give him dominion over your tongue. Thoughts can come and thoughts will flood and thoughts will try to overtake. But if you don't speak the thoughts... And if you counter them with the very words of God, just as Jesus did when he was tempted, he let the Holy Ghost bring up to him the words to speak. He refused to do anything without the Holy Ghost showing him. The devil said he's been, you know, not eating for 40 days. How would you be if you didn't eat for 40 days? And the devil said in that condition to him, Turn those stones into bread. Even the devil tried to use, twist the word of God and get Christ to act upon it. The devil is stupid. And the devil in the garden saw, I can manipulate God's mankind creation. I'm just going to deceive him, and he'll do this. So all of a sudden, another of God's mankind creation come, but came, but this time it was the Spirit of God in that mankind. So the devil thought, this is easy. I'm just going to do what I did in the garden. But he didn't know what he was up against. He was up against the very Son of God who is God who created the earth and the world, and the fullness thereof, who, who by, by his very being holds the universe together by the word of his power, that is Christ. It's held together. So what do you think would happen if the devil tries to tempt you and tries to attack you, and if you abide in me and my words abide in you? Jesus is the word. When that word spoke to the devil... 
the devil became powerless. When that same word speaks through you to the enemy, the devil, he becomes powerless. Not when you speak your words, when you speak his words. His words are full of life and power. There's not one word that he has spoken that will, that will pass away. There is no end to the perfection of the word of God. There is no situation, there is no special devil, there is no special sickness, there is no special disease, there is no special this or that or whatever, there is no mistake that you've made that's too big, there's nothing that you've said that you can, um, that can overcome the words of God. You bring light, which is his word, into that situation, darkness has no choice but to leave and to flee. And so when we speak the very words of God and we're conscious that's what we're doing, well, you better get ready for a party (laughs) because the devil has to leave. And when we settle that in our hearts, in our spirits, we will have the boldness and the confidence that Jesus had when he commanded that demon to come out of that young boy, he spoke the word. And when he spoke the word, the devil threw that young boy down. But Jesus didn't worry. He believed. He knew. Even the power of his own words. Well, how do you believe the power of your words? Make his words your words. How do you make his words your words? You be completely changed by feeding on his words. You are what you eat. When I was a kid in the 80s in school, you know, garbage in, garbage out. You are what you eat. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone or by natural means alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This isn't exactly my sermon. (laughs) It's apparently a better one. Everything begins with words. We're going to, if I didn't tell somebody I would like to have a Christmas party Friday night, the 8th of December. It would not begin. If you want to buy a piece of property and you want to build a house, how are you going to do that without speaking? And then, what happens is we set the course of our life with our words. But imagine that we're on this uh, ship, uh, a boat, 
ship or a boat, whatever you want. And we want to sail. Where do we want to go? <laughs> we want to sail to Hawaii. Somebody's talking about Hawaii. You're talking about Hawaii. So we want to sail to Hawaii, and we go to Annapolis to board our ship. And if we set our course north, we're not going to go the right way. We'll get stuck in the Chesapeake Bay. But if we set our course initially east, uh, what, this, is, this is dangerous, <laughs> east to go west because we've got to get out of the bay. Okay, the point I'm trying to make is <laughs> if, you, if you set your course, let me, okay, scrap that. So I'm a private pilot, and uh, when I learned to fly, uh, we had to walk uphill both ways. Anyhow, <laughs> they didn't have all of the fancy GPS guidance that they have now. But after I had my license, I've gotten to fly a few planes that have the, you just, what you do is you get in the airplane, and on the ground, you take the little dial, and you set the dial to the course where you want to go, or you take it, if you're doing GPS navigation, you just set the location you want to go. And then you get in the airplane, you're already in there, but you go to the runway and you take off and you get in the air. Well, because of the traffic pattern, you might go a little different direction, but I have already set my course. And then all of a sudden, since I have set my course, if I don't change the course that I've set, that, that computer is going to take that plane and it's going to turn it so that I turn on course. But I might be with somebody, like I took my family, where I was, right, actually after we had moved here, we got an opportunity to fly a... Uh, airplane that can handle my whole family. So I got an opportunity to fly one from a friend, and uh, we got in there, and I said, we're going to fly uh, to Muskegon, Michigan. Go, but you know, my children could get, I said, this is what we're doing. But you know, my children could get confused. Well, well how are we going there? Like, you're just driving on the ground, on the taxiways. But I'm already in motion. And so the reality is, when we set the course of our life by our words, sometimes we don't see an immediate difference right in front of our face. But if you stay the course, you'll get to Hawaii or you'll get to Muskegon or whatever better illustration that you can come up with that isn't so confusing. <laughs> the point being is you may see no evidence that you have arrived at the place that you believe that God has for you. But if you don't change course, your course is set how? The thing right here. Your tongue. It's like Jesus said, whoever will say to this mountain, in other words, command it. We used to, we got to fly a few times with um, uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, and uh, do you know how he taught us to pray when we would fly? Because, you know, it can be scary to fly for people, some people. It can be scary to fly for anybody when this thing starts making noise. But We wouldn't say, Lord, protect us. Lord, guide us. 
we would say, I am going over to such such place. Like Jesus said, we got into the boat. We're going over to the other side. So one time, a friend of mine, Philip Slaughter, <laughs> I wasn't on the plane that time. He was on the plane. One of the engines started to fail. Started to make a lot of racket. He's getting up. Philip, Philip maybe didn't like to fly that much. I mean, he liked to fly, but this, the, it's a little scary. So he's getting nervous. He turns. We call Brother Hagen dad. He turns to dad and says, aren't you going to do something? Because, you know, they're losing, they had to lose altitude all of a sudden, and they're going way down. And he said, no. Aren't you going to pray? He said, no. Well, what are you going to do? He said, before we left the ground, I said, I don't remember what city it was, but we're going to such and such a city. So that's where we're going. I'm not changing my words. So Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, believes those things that he says, in other words, that says as keeps on saying, come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. So when you set your course, you set your sail, then you keep saying the same thing. You keep believing the same thing, you keep saying the same thing, and you will arrive. That doesn't mean like you're done, but you know. You, will, you know what I mean? You will arrive. But just because today it doesn't look the way that it's going to look in 30 days or in one year. You understand? Uh, I got to finish up with this real quick. But you understand uh, different things are different ways. So if you're talking like sickness in your body, that, that is done and that is paid for. And God is not, uh, well, boy, oh boy, praise the Lord. So you're not waiting to receive what you believe he has provided for you, but you possess it here today. And in the case of sickness and disease, you begin to amend or you're completely restored at that moment that you activate your faith. Some things, for instance, having a child take a period of time, about nine and three quarters months, I think, something like that. But the process has begun, and the child will come. And your womb is fruitful. And it's not far off like in some other time or some other realm, but it's actually here today. So you're not like waiting on external forces and waiting on this doctor and that doctor and this procedure and that procedure because the great physician has come to sup with you. And he's on the case. 
I want you guys to come up here and I'll lay hands on you. Just stand there for a second and face that way. A.B. Simpson said, you guys know I love this quote. He said, after he had committed to the Lord, himself to the Lord, because he saw the word on healing and believed it, he said, I do not know whether my body felt any better or not. I know I didn't care or want to feel it. It was so glorious to believe it simply and to know that from this point forward, he had it in his hand. That is the cry of faith. And so, um, Dave's going to play in the background here while I minister to these, and then um, we'll pray and close out. We thank the Lord for his anointing and for his spirit.